Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. It's great to see you. Likewise, Chris. How are you today? Doing good. Doing good. So today's topic, talking, yeah, I guess this is not, I wouldn't say one of your favorite classes of horses, but one you deal with quite a bit, metabolic horses. And then how to manage them on pasture. I thought I thought this was a very interesting topic. Yeah, and, and maybe the title really should be, should we manage them on pasture? Um, yeah, we'll kind of yeah. get into that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it is. It, 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 it's very interesting because I, I, I had not thought of that before. And, and all the things you've been talking about these last couple of years, whenever we bring up metabolic horses and all the issues, those, those poor owners having to manage them. So I guess to start off today, you know, I always like to, to, to kind of define some things. What do you consider a metabolic horse? You know, when we say that, I know it can be a pretty broad category, but, you know, what are some of the causes and, and then what are we concerned with, with, with these types of horses? These are horses that are sensitive to sugar and starch in their diet. So when we say metabolic horses, generally what we're talking about are horses with insulin resistance or other reasons that insulin doesn't work in their body correctly. And ultimately what we're worried about is that the sugar and starch in their diet results in a lot of insulin in their blood, whether it's because they release too much, they don't clear it fast enough, something goes wrong and they have too much insulin in their blood. And there is science and lots of anecdotes that show that high levels of blood insulin dramatically increase the horse's risk of experiencing laminitis. So that's when we have inflammation in the hoof, incredibly painful for the horse. Um, It's sometimes called founder as well. Um, And and unfortunately, because there's nowhere for inflammation to go in the hoof, it's it's a very challenging thing for horses to deal with. So these are horses that are sensitive to sugar and starch in their diets. You know, another group that's an entirely different uh, metabolic issue would be PSSM type 1, horses with one of our muscle disorders. They're also sensitive to sugar and starch in their diet. So kind of everything we talk about that applies to metabolic in terms of insulin resistance or equine metabolic syndrome also applies to those horses as well in the context of this managing horses on pasture discussion. So what happens if we feed them too much sugar in the diet? Simply, it increases their blood insulin and increases that risk of laminitis. So it's not always that it's a single meal. It's it's a risk factor that it can increase over time. You might also have that, you know, single event, which we see a lot of times in the spring of horses who'd been grazing okay in the past. And then you had that really warm, sunny day, cool night, and then they have that issue over a singular event. Um, But ultimately, what we're looking to avoid is those high levels of blood insulin that causes laminitis. Or in the case of PSSM type 1, their body takes those sugars and it stores them in an abnormal form. We did a whole podcast on this recently. Um, But ultimately, two very different issues, both of them sensitive to sugar and starch. So what we're looking to do is keep that as low as possible. And of course, easy to focus on what comes in the bag, right? It comes yes. in the tag. Yes. We yes. know the exact intake. Right. A lot more challenging when we talk about forage, particularly pasture, to even understand what are they consuming to know what your risk factor is. All right. Well, we'll, we'll jump into that. So why are pastures a concern? Is, is it, I guess I'll lead you there. 
we know that concentrate doesn't make up the, the majority of their diet. So is it just because they eat so much forage? Is that the concern? That's a big part of it, Chris. So concentrate, that can absolutely, if you're feeding a ton of sweet feed, yeah, you could cause those issues yeah. no matter all, of course. Most of us know, you've already talked to us, you've done your research, you know that you know sweet feed's not what we're feeding. We're feeding a low NSC grain, we're feeding a ration balancer. But like you said, the bulk of the horse's diet is made up of forage, 20 plus pounds per day. So the amount of sugar mostly sugar, a little bit of starch, sugar coming from your forage can just be tremendous because of the quantity they're eating. Now, hay we can test. Once it is cut and stored, it's constant. The problem with pasture is it's changing day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute. So even if I went out and I took grass clippings and I sent them out for analysis, by the time I got it back, by the time I brought it to the post office, that information is meaningless. So it's it's a lot more challenging because it's hard to manage what you don't know. And you'll never know that pasture number. We can talk about some broad stuff that decreases your risk. But unfortunately, I can't tell you, yes, if you follow all of these guidelines to turn your horse out on pasture in the optimal time, if it'll still be safe. Well, let's jump into that because you're right. It is very convoluted and there's, there are a lot of factors. So when we talk about trying to manage or possibly managing metabolic horses on pasture, what are some of these factors that are going to influence that sugar load in that grass? So it's all about growing conditions. Okay. So our, our, grasses, what's going to happen is that on warm, sunny days, or just sunny days, they don't even have to be warm, on sunny days, they're going to accumulate sugars. And then provided the conditions are such that growth is possible, they use those sugars overnight to grow. So things that cause accumulation are anything that prevents that grass from growing. So the classic example is in the spring and in the fall when you have these nice sunny days and then you have cool nights under about 40 degrees for cool season grasses is when you won't have growth because it's too cold. So it accumulated all the sugar during the day. It didn't use it up overnight because it was too cold to grow. And then it accumulated sugar the next day and so on and so forth. That's the one that we think about the most, but there are other causes for grass to accumulate sugars, anything that causes it not to grow optimally. Drought, anytime the grass is stressed. So whether that's because we've overgrazed it. So I know sometimes people are like, yeah, I turn them out in my like really crappy overgrazed pasture. A lot of times that's your higher sugar pasture for two reasons. One, it's too short. So it's stressed and it can't grow well. Two, it's short. So it's accumulating that sugar in a really small, small space instead of spread out over a larger blade of grass. Soil fertility. I know a lot of people are like, the grass is growing and it's fine. A lot of times we don't think about, should we be fertilizing our pasture, spraying for weeds, all of those things that keep pasture healthy help keep sugars down because that grass is able to grow. And as it grows, it dilutes that sugar in that blade of grass. So anything that keeps it from growing is going to cause that accumulation of sugars. And that's a lot of different things. I'm just sitting here thinking in my head, spring, you know, we know spring 
is a, is a time that you really need to be careful grazing any horse on pasture because of the growth curves and, and, and how abundant they are growing at that time. And then isn't time of day too later in the day because those sugars start accumulating in the sun or is that pretty variable? No, that's a good question. So in our cool season grasses, you know, it's predominantly the type of pasture we're talking about in a lot of parts of the U.S. What ends up happening is you accumulate those sugars throughout the day. So your sugar is going to be lowest in the morning, climb throughout the day, and then if the conditions are such that it can grow overnight, it'll decrease throughout the night. So sometimes I've had people ask me, is it better if I turn them out during the day or at night? What is safer? And I say, I don't think it matters because you go from low to high during the day and high to low overnight. Again, minute by minute, it's mm-hmm. changing. Mm-hmm. So time of day matters. Season, obviously, you tend to have more of those really cool nights in the spring and sunny days. Some of them happen in the fall as well. This time of year, um, you know, you could be experiencing drought. So I, I will say where I live specifically, we need rain. I also know that my grass is not growing as much as it could be because we're dry. So that means we're accumulating sugars at a higher rate than we would be if we had rain. One more curveball <laughs> to throw at you. And you're right. You know, July's high to summer, you know, pastures. And I know we, we've, we've talked about summer pasture management previously, but one more curveball at you. What about species of plant? Does that have an influence on sugar content? Yeah. Yep. Species does matter as well. Um, especially when you're looking more at cool season, warm season legumes. So for example, if you have clover in your pasture, um, clover is a legume. Legumes don't accumulate sugar as much, although they're also higher in uh, energy density calories. So a lot of times we're managing horses that are both sugar sensitive and overweight. So even though sometimes some of those legume varieties may be lower in sugars, they're more calorie dense. So that kind of defeats some of the purpose in trying to manage that because we know as obesity increases, insulin sensitivity decreases, meaning that even smaller amounts of sugar will cause them to have too much insulin in their blood. It's very dynamic. Your warm season grasses don't accumulate as many sugars, um, but that still doesn't mean they're necessarily safe on any given day. And I think that's one of the main takeaways from this podcast. So I can Mm. give you a list of conditions to make it perfect. Yeah. As low as possible. (laughs) Never see it, right? Or rarely. Right, but you're you're still taking a risk. So I think it ultimately comes down to, do the benefits of maintaining these horses on pasture outweigh the risks? Part of that comes down to the individual animal. Okay, these aren't light switch diseases, at least in the case of insulin resistance, where if they have this many grams of sugar per day, they're in trouble and they have one less gram and they're fine. These horses, there's a large gradation of how sensitive they are to sugars and starches. Unfortunately, a lot of times you don't know where that let, you know, break point in sensitivity lies until you hit it. And of course, then you have a horse in great discomfort. So the benefits to maintaining them on pasture, you know, you don't have to feed hay. I guess that's one of them. But thinking more from the animal perspective, um, there's certainly mental benefits. Horses enjoy being out grazing. They tend to move around more. So on the flip side, you could say, you know, 
grazing grass, it's variable sugar. That might not be a good thing. Horses move more when they're grazing than they do than they tend to be on a dry lot on hay. So you have the benefits of exercise, and we know that exercise improves insulin sensitivity. So again, you're, you're looking at these different factors that you have to weigh for your individual situation. So can you manage them? Yes, we could say we're going to take great care of our pasture. We're going to fertilize it. We aren't going to overgraze it. Um, we're going to mow it. So for most of the grasses we're talking about, not grazing any lower than four to six inches is recommended. And if, if you look at that, that's a lot of grass still out there. Yeah, and you yeah, pull yeah. the horses off, rotate them to another pasture. You're mindful of those conditions where grass isn't growing well, and maybe you don't give them access to pasture during those times. And you only graze them for a couple hours in the morning, for example, but it's still a risk and you have to decide, is that risk something that I want to take for my individual horse? Um, I will say I, I've managed metabolic horses on pasture. I choose to utilize a grazing muzzle. And I've also decided this is an older retired horse and I'm thinking about quality of life and kind of what is the balance there in making that decision. He's happier turned out with his friends. The grazing muzzle is a great option to reduce how much grass he's eating. He gets that exercise component. But every time I do it, I, I recognize that we you know, could hit that tipping point at some point. So as an owner, I don't want anyone to leave this podcast and go, if I do all these things, I can turn my horse out of grass and it'll right. be fine. Right, 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 right. So I guess just to kind of sum that all up, you know, because listening to you, individual decision, I especially with the older horse, you know, you want them outside, that fresh air, that exercise, which I mean, they can get in a dry lot, but you know, not, not all of us have dry lots. So do we put these horses out on pasture? You know, and if we do, these metabolic horses, like you said, is that just an individual choice? Is it, you know, what would you recommend as a nutritionist? It, uh, it seems so muddy. It seems so no, muddy. It absolutely is muddy. Yeah. I will say that as a nutritionist in general, I'm not going to recommend it because I can't make that risk factor determination for someone else's horse. And, and in a terms of a do no harm type approach, uh, you know, I can give you strategies to reduce your risk, but ultimately it is a risk. It's one that I, you know, have chosen to make for what is overall the quality of life for one individual horse. That doesn't mean it's always the right decision and not something I'd categorically recommend, even if you follow all of those tips to let them graze during the lowest sugar time. Cause I have no idea if your pasture is low enough in sugar. If we test your hay, we can come up with strategies. We can weigh how many pounds of hay they're eating each day. We can do all of those things. Pasture is just so much more challenging to control. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, I know. That's, yeah, I guess that that's the take home. It's, it's just kind of a, it is a risk. It is a risk, but I, I see why you do it for your older horse and that would make sense, you know, and then, so, and then the grazing muzzle, how much can that reduce intake? So studies on grazing muzzles have been variable, uh, anywhere from like 30 to 80% reduction in intake. Um, so that can go a long way because it essentially creates a trickle. One of the issues you run into, particularly if you decide to only turn your horse out for a short amount of time, is they will go out there and they will gorge themselves. So even though the grass may be at its lowest sugar amount, if they eat a ton of it, all that glucose hits their bloodstream at once, insulin is high, boom, we are at our peak risk. 
A grazing muzzle really prevents that. It makes them take much smaller bites um, and also allows you to maybe sometimes maintain that horse outside more so you get those positive benefits while reducing the consumption. Now, I'm still not going to turn that horse out on days where we have the super cold night after a sunny day. Like even with the grazing muzzle, I'm not going to push that boundary. Um, but the nice thing about grazing muzzles, is it does allow us to have some of these horses on pasture with a little bit more of a safety net. And like I said, a lot of these horses are both insulin resistant and overweight. So we, they don't need all those calories from grass anyways. Um, similarly with those horses with PSSM type one, there's not a weight component to that, but we're trying to keep sugar and starch intake lower because of their muscle disorder. So a grazing muzzle might be a way that we could allow those horses to have some pasture time as well. Their risk isn't laminitis. Their risk is that they'll tie up because they've stored abnormal glycogen in their muscles. But again, another metabolic type condition that needs lower sugar that makes just your regular pasture kick them out management very, very risky. Yeah, yeah, it's good advice. A good advice. Any final tips for these types of horses? Yeah, my final tip is just ultimately just remembering the big picture. Um, so both in terms of the diet, we get really caught up on the stuff that comes with a tag. So thinking about their forage is a huge component of that. And then just overall looking at their lifestyle as a whole. How can we design a lifestyle that the horse is happy, um, that it gets exercise, which improves its insulin sensitivity, all those things while managing their diet? It, it's not easy. Being a horse owner a lot of times mm-hmm, mm-hmm, isn't mm-hmm. easy. And, you know, we, we love these horses dearly. And that's why we kind of jump through hoops to make sure we give them the best life possible um, and making some strategic decisions about how we manage these horses as part of that. Oh, well, it's all solid, solid advice there, Nicole. Thank you. And for our listeners, thank you so much for those that have uh, gone on iTunes and and left five-star reviews. If you haven't and you're enjoying this podcast, please go on there. Just take a couple minutes. Uh, give us a five-star review and, and some nice comments. Thank you. That that helps Nicole and I and, and circulate this podcast and reaching more horse owners because, you know, this is why we do it. We, we absolutely love what we do and making their lives better and, and making your life better too as a horse owner so thank you so much and stay tuned next week for another great uh, podcast thanks chris